Hello and welcome to Recruiting is No Joke, episode 21. I'm really excited today. We've got a great guest as always. Uh, but I would love to know who is out there in LinkedIn land. I always love to get interactive with the audience. So if you're out there, let us know where you're coming from, what company you work with, and um, and then just say hello. Uh, you don't have to give any of that information. You can just say hello. But we love we love to hear who's out there. And then obviously, if you have questions throughout the show, um, feel free to get in the chat. And I want to give a, a quick shout out to Bright Hire, uh, our new sponsor. As of the past couple of months, uh, go check out BrightHire if you're looking for uh, intelligence when it comes to interviewing, if you're looking to improve your interview process, get real data from the interviews that you're having, uh, check out BrightHire. And then guys, get in the Shine community as well. It's a group of TA and HR professionals. We screen it, so we make sure not, <laughs> not any riffraff can get in, only TA riffraff. Uh, but get in there because I know a lot of, a lot of people are out of work, obviously laid off, like looking uh, for community and we're posting jobs in there. It gives you the opportunity to act, interact with tons of people. So a uh, special shout out to Brighthire for putting that together as well. But anyway, guys, well, it looks like, wow, we've got some great people here as well. So I am going to have Aaron uh, and welcome to the show. I'm going to have you give a quick intro here, if you could, for everyone. If you don't know Aaron, uh, you'll get to know her on this show, and I'm really excited to have her as a guest. So welcome to uh, Recruiting is No Joke. Thanks, Joel. It's a real pleasure to be here. I listen to all your episodes and um, feel a special blessing that I can be one of your guests. So, Well, I I know you've uh, you've run your own podcast in the past, which I'd mm -hmm. love to, to, to chat about. And uh, it's always cool to just be able to learn from people like yourself. So uh, Yeah, running a podcast is no joke. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is no joke. It's uh, I don't think people, because I, I, I hear people, like I get friends who are like, I'm going to start up a podcast. And I'm like, all right, well, yeah. let's hope it makes past episode five. How many episodes did you do? I think you up to 43. Like 30? 43. Yeah, we got, got up to 43 and it's not closed completely. It's still available out there, cool. but I put it yeah. on hiatus um, because of my new role, which I'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, the, the thing is, you know, having a podcast, um, I have aligned with my experience of being in recruiting, actually, which is people who don't, who aren't in that space think, how hard could it be? <laughs> how hard could it be to have a podcast? You just get on the phone and talk to people. Okay. True. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and it's actually really fun and there's a lot of good reasons to do it, but you know, the back story is all of the technology, all of the resources, all of the um, editing and mixing and making sure it sounds professional, the bumper music, the sponsors, you know, all of that. So it's really a cool thing to have done and experienced. And um, you know, I, I really love doing it, but I think if you're in the zone of how hard can it be, it's not too different from recruiting. Recruiting is actually hard. <laughs> so, I, well, it's no, it's, it's, it's no hard. joke. It's just, I think I, the commercials that get me are like the Zip Recruiter commercial and the Indeed commercial where, yeah, yeah it's like you watch those and you just like, you know, my wife's just like, that's what you do. And I'm like, yeah. no, yeah. no, what we do. It is not, we're not just posting jobs and, uh, and, and getting perfect candidates there. Yeah. So, uh, be careful. ZipRecruiter might want to be a sponsor someday. You know, that's true. I actually know a couple people there, so I should, uh, ZipRecruiter, you're welcome. You're more than welcome. Right, to right. Recruiting is no joke. So why don't, uh, obviously, um, this, this podcast is all about talent acquisition and, uh, you know, 
getting people's stories and particularly for, for the audience out there who are maybe just starting out in TA or maybe been in TA for a while, uh, but are kind of looking for that next step and like where to go and like what different options. So I'd, I'd love to just kind of start off with just how you got started in talent acquisition. And, uh, and obviously we don't need to like talk about every single position, but I am super curious too, kind of like some of the ins and outs that you've had during your career as well and kind of how you got to do what you're doing right now. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Recruiting is No Joke. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Bright Hire. The old way of hiring just doesn't cut it anymore, and my friends at Bright Hire are here to help. Bright Hire is the leading interview intelligence platform for improving quality of hire at talent-first companies. Their technology records and transcribes interviews and creates a set of highlights you can revisit and share to streamline the process improve the candidate experience, and give teams better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. If you're looking to improve your quality of hire and reduce bias in your hiring process, visit brighthire.com today and let them know Joel sent you. Now back to the episode. Thanks again. Yeah, and I've been at this a while, so I'll try to keep it to smart brevity, as they say. Um, Funny enough, uh, and on my podcast, uh, Big Fish and Talent Pool, I often interview talent leaders, talent acquisition leaders. And so I asked the same question, how did you get into it? And similar to a lot of your previous guests, Joel, um, all of them said by accident, didn't mm -hmm. intend to do it, fell into recruiting, all of that. I have to say, I intended to be in recruiting. I actually wanted to be a recruiter when I was <laughs> way back in college. Um, I was a psych major. And so what do you do with mm -hmm. this? you go to grad school, right? Well, that wasn't really in the cards for me. But I had a really keen sense of what makes people do what they do. I'm always curious about why people go into the fields that they do. And so I, I didn't know much, because uh, I'd only had hourly jobs up until that point. But I had figured out that there is a whole function within most companies that helps people figure out the job thing. Um, hiring them, making them successful, all of that. So that led me to, you know, HR. Um, but my actually, my senior project in college was indeed a recruiting project. It was like a simple little interview that subjects had to listen to and then say, mm. well, you hire the person. And then there was a photo of the candidate. And some of the photos were more attractive than others. You know, classic kind of, you know, bias. Early yes. Of bias. But, you know, I guess that tells you, I, I always had it in my mind, if I could be that person who could help people with jobs, I would love to do that. Um, what you have to, what you had to do in those days, those go backwards first, because um, for whatever reason, I never heard of Aerotech or, you know, didn't really think of joining one of the temp firms early on to get some staffing experience. I kind of went the corporate route first, first of all. Wow, that's like that's that's probably like kind of like two unique things. Most, of, most people, it is like I just felt. I a lot of people, it's like you just end up interviewing with an agency, uh -huh. and then it's like you're like the agency recruiter is just like, hey, you'd be a great fit here, right? Exactly, like and it happens all the and good for them. I mean, they recognize you know hopefully a good recruiter when they see them, but um, but I went backwards, meaning a generalist in HR for mm. about two years, and. Every time I had the opportunity to work with, like hire a secretary or an assistant, you know, somebody at a very administrative level, it was just like so much fun for me. And I was mm. thinking if I could just do this all the time and not worry about all the other parts of HR, I'd be so happy. What, um, what, was, what was like, the, I guess, the fun part of that for you? you uh, so, so for me, again, it's that curiosity, the interest, true, uh, genuine interest in 
why people do what they do, how they got to where they're at, what makes them tick. But then more than that, I, uh, my personality style is more of an influencer than more administrative. And I think, you know, people who are really good at all the other stuff in HR have more of a strategic slash administrative capability, more tactical. I'm all about the deal. Like for whatever reason, I probably could have also been just a salesperson in a, in a corporate sales organization too. So the, the, the part of HR that looks most like sales is of course recruiting. Um, so I think for me, the specialization early on in recruiting was something that I was, I was really happy to do. So did my two years as an HR generalist, was really um, fortunate to have somebody give me that experience at Arthur Anderson. That's an ancient name for many of your listeners. It's the precursor to Accenture. And so yeah. I was actually with Accenture, the precursor to Accenture and then Accenture uh, for about 20 years and in varying roles. And, and here's the thing about staying with a company for a little while, which is getting more rare, um, but what I was able to do in that company that had an insatiable need for talent all the time and in growth mode for the entire 20 years that I was there um, was that I got to do not one job for 20 years, but about 20 jobs for one year <laughs> and uh, really got to know a lot of different bosses, a lot of different hiring managers. They moved me two times, one time internationally. And um, so, you know, talk about a dream for somebody who has found their calling, but then wants to like plant their feet and be able to do it in a bunch of different ways. So I started by hiring, uh, you know, campus hires. So, so yeah. um, was responsible for a bunch of schools, learned campus recruiting. Then they decided they had more of a need for mid-level hires. So I kind of moved into that area. Nobody knew how to do it at that time in Accenture. And so I was kind of, you know, writing the rule book as, as we needed it written. Um, then executive recruiting came after that. They decided they could, we couldn't wait for all these people to matriculate. We needed to bring in executives from the outside. So I figured that out, started to work with search firms. Um, and they just gave me this amazing um, skill set to do anything anywhere, even internationally. So I, I moved my family to Frankfurt, Germany for three years and worked out of West Europe, recruiting for Europe. And then I was in charge of Austria, Switzerland, Germany, recruiting for, for uh, a couple of years. Um, that, and that I mean, is a lot wild, I mean, right? I just think of like 20 years, like you really covered like every, I did. I'm sure there's, but I'm sure it's probably people that you kind of like watched, you know, people that you hired on early mm -hmm. or brought into the organization and kind of watch them develop as well. Yeah. But do, do you think, here's a question. Do you think that if you had started on the agency side, do you think you would have eventually made it to the internal side or, or do you think? Because you, because like I said, you, you're kind of very kind of. I feel like you are very, like relational sales. You know, like you're very yeah. probably good at sales as well. So, yeah. do you think you would have stuck it on the agency side, or do you think that like yeah, looking back, like just internal, it was just like the perfect, yeah, the perfect thing. Well, it's a really good question, and and one never knows. But you know, I'm pretty scrappy, so I think I probably would have done okay in the agency world. What. I think maybe made the difference for me more than anything, though, was um, connecting with a couple of people who saw my potential and really pushed mm. me forward. And that does happen in larger organizations, also smaller organizations. But um, for sure, at the time in Accenture, there was this, as I said, insatiable need for talent. There were a lot of uh, people figuring out how to get everything done, how to grow, how to scale. And so when they saw somebody who had a little bit of chutzpah, and a fire in their belly and the um, interest in getting things done, um, they pushed me forward. So I have 
a number of mentors and bosses that um, that I still am in touch with today that really helped me. Um, so shout out to Jeff Greasy, who is now retired, but he was the guy who gave me my first uh, real job focused on recruiting internally and then um, sponsored me for the international for moved to Chicago. So I started in Minneapolis. I'm actually from Minnesota originally. So Very if you cool. hear my accent, it's it's legit. Well, we're Wisconsin um, here, so it's oh like, right, kind of, right, kind yeah. of a little bit, a little bit used to it. Yeah, a little bit. So yeah, so shout out to my cheesehead sister, who's yeah. out there somewhere too. So anyway, um, uh, so who made, so, made the introduction as well? So okay. <laughs> so the that was Accenture for twenty years. Um, then uh, one of the last things I did at Accenture, they were figuring out RPO. Because mm -hmm. the outsourcing business at Accenture had really taken off, so all all things business outsourcing, and they decided HR and recruiting should be a part of that. Many of the clients wanted that, um, so I and a few of my my uh, peers figured out how to price, how to scope, how to scale, an outsourced offer. So for me, that was kind of my first foray into not so much the internal delivery of recruitment, but porting my skills to figure out how to do it for external clients. Um, cool. So great, great opportunity. Um, so did that. Um, then actually decided after 20 years, maybe it's time to see what's on the outside. And I went to a small search firm in Chicago. So I did search for a couple of years. Um, these guys were awesome. They, they were very good to me. It gave me lots of good opportunities. I brought in a few clients of my own. So that was great. Um, and then I got a call from, a, uh, from actually Russell Reynolds uh, at the time. And they had a corporate head of talent acquisition role open. Uh, in Chicago. I was in Chicago at the time, and um, it was uh, just down the street in Lincolnshire at Hewitt Associates. They had a new head of HR, Tracy Keogh, who had wanted to bring build her own team. Um, she and I met, and um, she claims I interviewed her rather than her interviewing me. And so she, <laughs> so she, she knew that I, I would be the right head of talent acquisition if I sat down with the head of HR and interviewed them, I guess. That is um, awesome. Yeah. So anyway, she brought me in global head of TA. So we had a big team in India. So I got some India experience mm. then. Um, and then uh, we got bought by Aon, which had an outsourced offer. We also had an outsourced offer. They put it together. They asked me to run that. So probably the biggest team I've ever run was 550 recruiters. Um, we had an outsourced recruiting uh, business. Um, so that was uh, definitely a P&L that I ran, uh, which is the first time I ran a P&L, which is great. Took a pound of flesh out of me. I'm not going to lie. That's hard mm -hmm. work running an RPO, and um, uh, that was that was awesome. And then I went over to oh, Amazon. How big was the RPO? How big did the RPO get? Uh, uh, we we so in terms of revenue, we were about seventy million annually, uh, hiring about seventy two thousand hires a year for twenty three different clients. Yeah, wow. a couple of clients were the biggies, you know, big hotel chain hiring 30,000 a year. So that's a great client to have, as you can imagine. <laughs> I mean, you're going to keep all your recruiters busy in that case. A yes. uh, large bank with a bunch of retail branches where we hired 20,000 a year. So, mm. I mean, a lot of those came from some big clients. But regardless, um, really, really great. I mean, it's the kind of thing where if you love recruiting, you love it in all its forms and fashions, right? Mm. So how cool is that somebody with my passion actually got to run a team that hires that many people a year. I mean, I, I sort of take it back to its roots and it's like standing at the crossroads with a hiring manager and a candidate and changing their lives, but doing it at scale. I mean, 70,000 times. Yeah. 70,000 times. Well, <laughs> through a fantastic team, of course, you know, I was uh, not, unfortunately I didn't get to do the fun stuff. They actually, you know, interviewing yeah. and bringing candidates in, but 
Um, I was able to exercise my muscle and my bias around recruitment needs to be divided into its component parts, those being sourcing, candidate care, and recruitment ops. Mm. And I don't know how you're, you're hearing uh, most people talk about it these days, but I have to say, Joel, I've been preaching this for 15 years. And I've just now heard some recruiting leaders coming around to, you know, maybe the full life cycle recruiter thing doesn't work after all. Mm. It's just too much for them to source and recruit and, you know, handle all the admin. Of course it is, especially the sophistication of sourcing these days. I mean, if you've got yeah. seek out, you better darn well use it because it's not inexpensive. And if you have somebody who's using it, you probably don't want them distracted with all the stuff that recruitment, yeah. um, you know, candidate management takes. So I don't know. It, it, it's it seems like this controversial, but no, I, th I think, I think it, for some people, I think there are some, certain people who can handle a full desk and they're, they're kind of built that way. But I think there's something to be said for just doubling down on strengths. And I think a lot of times, if you're just assuming everybody, you know, can just run every aspect of it. Like, what about people who are just really great researchers and they're just great at pulling data and they're just great with strings and creativity when it comes yeah. to sourcing it's like but That's maybe that maybe they're not wanting to jump on on the call and 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 do all of, all of that stuff so i think for a long time like it kind of just eliminated people in a way and going well if you can't do everything then then it's you're not like the real deal and now like you said i mean to me like this there are so many tools out there there's so much data out there we right. all kind of have access to a lot of the same data. So, yeah, you know, I even think of like, you know, I think we'll see even things like marketing kind of revolving more within recruitment and just different skill sets, because at the end of the day, things have evolved as well. So I think there's a there's but there is still a lot to be said for people who can kind of do the full cycle. But yeah, it's right? it's true. Um, you know, I have to say, as I uh, led teams over the years and spent time with recruiters, then if, if you get them alone for a minute and ask, you know, what do you wish was different? Um, if, if they're really honest, they'll probably say, I wish at the end of the day, I didn't have a sense of FOMO. Mm. Like I always feel like I'm leaving good candidates on the table because I just don't have enough time to get around to them. And so I think to the extent that a recruiting team that's, you know, recruiting more than onesie twosies, I mean, this is, you know, what I'm talking about is kind of at scale. Um, to the extent that they can really use TA Tech to their advantage upfront to really winnow down the number of people that the recruiters themselves are touching, they're going to end up feeling like, okay, I know everybody in the market in this particular space. I didn't miss anybody. Hmm. Here you go, hiring manager. We are rock solid and sure that we used everything at our disposal rather than little old me sourcing uh, screening candidates and, you know, scheduling, which is the bane of everyone's existence. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm obviously biased. I just, I just think it's for your listeners consideration. If they're leading a team, you know, think about bifurcating. Cause I, I feel like sourcers, really good sourcers are in they're They're in the groove when they're sourcing. What, what do you um, think? With, so um, obviously there's a lot of chat chatter about, um, you know, obviously with like chat GPT and like AI. Yeah. And I mean, I think all of us within the recruitment community and the TA, the TA community are like, it's not, AI is not going to replace, you know, element, certain elements of recruiting. But I guess it, in your mind, like what, what are some of those elements that you think, okay, this has the potential to like 
you know, really boost something like Canada's experience, which is obviously seems like even with technology, in some ways, technology has kind of made Canada experience worse in a lot of ways. Like, what are your thoughts on like how some of this technology could be used or have you experimented with, with any of this, this yet? Just, just yeah. Curious. Well, actually, um, uh, I'll come back to that just to put the context around it, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll finish my background. Um, spent some time at Amazon and then um, was a consultant for a while and then came now to Great Hill Partners where I'm the head of talent. Uh, we are a private equity firm based in Boston. We own uh, about 40 different companies that we actively manage. So my role is to work with small and large companies, mostly small, medium-sized, um, that are in growth mode, That uh, that we're uh, it, from my perspective, we're growing their capability and sophistication in the area of talent acquisition. So I get to try experiments, which is wonderful, right? Very cool. So, so to your to your question about AI and how it is and will affect the whole talent acquisition realm, um, I think the I, I don't know what I don't know yet, and it's changing every day. And Talent Tech Labs is my best friend because I can't keep up with all the new technology. So I refer back to their ecosystem. Uh, doc, you know, probably every other day or so just to make sure I'm up to speed. But I feel like candidate engagement is mm. probably the newest thing that technology can help the most with. Um, because with the volume of candidates that we've now been able to generate, we are at greater risk of ticking people off by not responding to them, right? And so even if you can have help from technology engaging early on in the process to indicate you're not a fit, or um, if we can make sure that candidate engagement is being managed by chatbot so that we can ensure that they're being kept apprised of the status because a human being can't possibly you know, keep up with all the people that could be in the pipeline. Um, I'm a huge fan of, of Paradox Olivia and you know, other such um, AI powered chatbots, um, mainly because I feel like the kinds of roles that can and should be handled by an AI assistant should be. It frees up recruiters to handle the ones that are a little more, you know, complex. So, um, I mean, why not? You know, if, if you've got any budget for technology, for AI, for TA tech, I feel like deploy it fully, try some stuff, you know, make sure you don't get locked into a three-year contract. That's a problem because, <laughs> you know, recruiters, recruiting leaders don't have very much budget to spend, but with the yeah. little budget they have, to be strategic about, you know, getting the right tech deployed in the engagement component. And for our, especially hourly roles, I mean, see what you can do to automate the whole darn thing. Um, you know, truck drivers, retail workers, um, you know, people don't, I think for certain roles, people, they don't need to be coddled too much. They just want a good, clean process and status updates, yeah. right? So if AI can help us with that, why not? Yeah, maybe add in an option where it's like, hey, if you, you know, it's like when you're in customer service, like I'm used, I'm so used to now, like, I think originally people were like, oh, I don't like this operating system because you can't talk to anybody. But then you kind of, every system has that option where it's like, if you need to speak to someone, just yeah. say you need to speak to someone. But there's plenty of times where, you know, I check my bank account or, you know, do something where I'm not actually dealing with a person. I think we're all kind of used to that. Um, I'm, I'm, but, I'm, but recruiting I'm is personal, you know, so it's one of those things. It's almost like dealing with your money. You're sort of like, I want a human being. So so then you just have to resource that. So you can outsource it. You can insource it. You can, you know, you just have to figure out if you're going to offer mm -hmm. a human option, you know, then just put some resources around it. Um, yeah. 
no, it's a great, it's a great point. What do you, what do you think, what do you think the potential pitfall could be? Or like, what, what are some things that you think, like, what, if you heard any, any kind of like, you know, uses of, um, AI where you think, okay, maybe that, maybe we're missing the mark, or I guess any, any, any kind yeah, of well, warning there? Um, you know, I think there are the candidate experience uh, platforms out there that want to help us be less biased. Um, and I think that's going to take a few iterations to make sure that they aren't, in fact, doing the opposite. Um, but I applaud their attempts. And I, and I want us all to, you know, sort of not um, slam the attempts, but encourage the organizations that are really trying to do stuff like that, like, you know, provide um, a recording and a printout of the interview so that you can help your hiring manager be a little more uh, appropriate, less biased, ask better questions, you know, all of that. Um, I wonder about chat GPT and the use in sourcing. Um, We've done a couple of experiments on this. I mean, if you put into chat GPT, you know, the the requirements of a particular role, of course, you'll, you'll get um, they, they'll write a job description for you. That's that's no big deal. Um, maybe even write it better than any recruiter could. So why not? You know, I mean, why not yeah. save the time? In terms of it generating names for a particular role, I wonder to myself if someday that could be gamed somehow. I mean, just like you can kind of, you know, we've all figured out on Google and appropriately so how to promote the things that want to be promoted and pay for things to end up on the top of the list. I have no idea if it someday will be in a world where a candidate could actually pay chat GPT to end up on the top of a list when you're sourcing for a particular role. I mean, I guess that maybe wouldn't be awful, but I think then we have to figure out how to trust the efficacy of what we're searching for. And just like we do today, make sure that people do have the skills that they say they do. And it's not just, you know. Yeah, because I've seen, I've seen it on the back end too, where obviously you can write a resume as well and like i think there's i mean there's a ton of tools out there now yeah, that are linkedin are, profile you know yeah it's a, it's a, a ton of ton of those tools which i think is uh you know which, and again like i've seen some coaches like kind of referring people to, to to do that and obviously it's like the danger always is like even with like job descriptions like I, i'm always like well how accurate is the job description in terms of like the describing the actual job compared to describing like a person that they're looking for and um but yeah, no, it's, it's, what, what about like, I guess, you know, obviously you've, you've been in, in talent for a while. So you've seen like a lot of, a lot of just kind of like technological changes. And obviously I just think of things like monster and career builder when they came out, <laughs> oh. it was like, this is going to completely disrupt everything. Yeah. Why, why do you think with recruiting it is just a challenge in general with like technology to like actually <laughs> It just seems like it's a challenge to improve things, and, yeah. and it, it, it kind of like you hear recruiters talk a lot about like just kind of going back to the basics. Or like it just seems like sometimes you just gotta gotta go back to the basics. So why, what do you think it is about what we do that makes it so nuanced and challenged like that? I mean, it's it's the holy grail. If we could answer that question, Joel, <laughs> we'd change everything. And I think it it probably goes back to the very the the variables that are involved in the way we view hiring today. And when I say variables, I mean the humans, the human interactions. Mm. Um, And it goes down to everything like scheduling and 
you know, personal freedom, personal information you may or may not want people to have. So for example, why haven't we, why isn't the world flat when it comes to calendaring? Like, why can't we just schedule stuff easily? Well, it's because people need privacy. They don't want you to see everything on their calendar. Okay. So that's understandable. So then you're relying on people to respond when you ask or put out a list of options for scheduling. You know, it's, I think as long as we have the human component in it, it's going to be messy. Yeah. Um, and that then does necessitate other human beings to be involved in it <laughs> because they have to respond to the, the variables. Um, but I, I, I would say that uh, back to your point about, you know, the, the things to improve and what we've been trying to do. I mean, time to hire or time to fill or what, you know, however you um, talk about it. It's been 30 days on average, maybe 45, depends on the role, of course, sometimes 60, 90, whatever, you know, depending on the level. Um, but it's been 30 days since I started recruiting 30 years ago. Why have we not shortened that time frame? And I, I think Paradox Olivia would say, we have indeed, you know, you can get it down to two days if you're McDonald's because, you know, you text with the candidate and they show up the next day, interview with the retail manager and they're hired. So that's the outlier. But I would say by and large, um, if you look at uh, the talent board's data that they put out on candidate experience, everybody's still sitting in that 30 to 45. And I just wonder if there isn't a sort of a minimum level of interaction that candidates have to have or want to have that will never allow us to get shorter than a certain number of days because mm -hmm. it's a big life change. It's a big thing. Everyone, everyone wants to investigate and be sure that it's the right kind of a change. Yeah. I mean, well, we, so we did see, I think, you know, maybe in like 2021, when we we're kind of like at that peak, great resignation, obviously they were kind of dubbing it. I remember there was a time period where there was immense pressure to like push people through interview processes yeah. really quick. And I remember like hearing stories of like, I mean, I had, I had candidates in play where like our, you know, our clients might've taken a little bit longer and then suddenly like a new, <laughs> You know, like a new competitor would pop in there and suddenly they're moving somebody through a process in, in like five days, yeah. like really pushing them through because right. you remember how tight it was just for like, um, I was recruiting recruiters at the time. So it was really tight market for, for, for TA people. And it was yeah. like, but then it's kind of like since then, there's almost like then there was like a, a group of people who had kind of made decisions and then they're like six months in, like, yeah, I'm not sure it was the right fit. So yeah. I right. think that... I think what you what you're saying is, you know, it, it's just it is just kind of like the profound nature of like what we actually do. Like you are making a career change, and I think people sometimes they underestimate because it can be really frustrating too in the longer processes. But I think yeah. there's something to be said about like, you know, if you're if you, if it's coming out of left field in particular, and like you know, a recruiter randomly reaches out to you, or it seems like it's random and it's a great opportunity. You mm -hmm. need that time to be able to process and make and make the right decision. And I think even coming out of the time we're in, I think I'd love to get your take on this. I mean, are you seeing more candidates now in the midst of layoffs and kind of what we've seen over the last couple of years? Is are we kind of going back to more hesitancy with things? Are you having to kind of sell people more on, on opportunities? Like what's how's it? Mm, I mean, I think the. Uh, speed to a conclusion is what everybody wants all the time, whether it's a good conclusion or a bad conclusion, you know, whether they're going to get hired or not. Um, and so now uh, people are maybe a little bit more nervous about how long it's going to take to find a job. And so maybe that's then increasing their desire to get in the process, 
get through the process and get out of the process. Um, also, you know, they're looking at other opportunities. So I think there's, I, I do find people are more, their calendars are more open, let's put it that way, <laughs> to yeah. schedule stuff than maybe a year ago. Um, but, you know, going back to the, the earlier point, so I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth now, because on the one hand, I do understand there might be just a minimum level of time it takes because there's humans involved. On the other hand, I spent my entire career trying to compress the timeline. And so I'm never going to give up until I'm done with this gig uh, that will last an entire career. And what I have to say has worked for me in organizations that scale, that really need to scale, is um, viewing recruitment like um, sort of like a sales funnel. You know, all salespeople understand you got to put a certain number of prospects in in order to get out of the bottom the actual sales that you need. Yeah. And so you kind of have to look at every step in the process in terms of the, the throughput that you expect um, and do the math. So recruiting math can be done in a recruiting funnel. And this is one of the things I help all our portfolio companies with is to try and envision if you need to hire 10 salespeople before the end of Q1, let's do the math. You're, not, you're, you're going to only offer a certain number of people. You're only going to second interview a certain number of people, first interview, screen, um, uh, in, if there's an assessment involved, not everybody passes that. You might have a need for, you know, 1,200 candidates to be attracted in order to get 10 hires. And that's kind of daunting when you actually look at it in a funnel and it changes everything in terms of how you're looking at how you're sourcing. So then that hopefully changes the view of, I've got to have some sourcers who are fully dedicated to this because I'm never going to meet my goal of hiring 10 salespeople if I don't have an always on pipeline of people who are, who are attracting. And then the, the next challenge becomes processing them, like actually getting them interviewed. And I am never a fan of the serial interview schedule, like hiring manager does interview one, then we wait two days or more, which is not good for the candidate. Uh, have second interviewer, you know, get them on their schedule, then get them on another schedule. Pretty soon you're looking at, you know, two months that the person's been in process. Why not group everything into an interview day yeah. where you've got everybody, even virtually, I've done it a number of times, uh, where you're, you're going through interview one, two, and three, and then you debrief, make your decisions, get back to the candidates. You know, it's all about setting expectations. So if you can set candidate expectations and hiring manager expectations to clear their calendar for a half a day, we can bang it out, get it done, you know, interview a dozen candidates all at once um, and, and have some results in a much more compressed time frame. So I think it's incumbent upon us as recruiting leaders to, to be coming to hiring managers with those ideas. They may push back, but if we can show where we've made it work before and ask them to give it a try, you might have some converts on your hand. I mean, that's a great thing about, I think, recruiting nowadays. We have so much data to be able to bring, yeah. I think. Yeah, and that's ultimately, that's what tells the story. If you're able to show something, and I think it's easy to just say, well, you know, this, this is what I've experienced in the past. But we have, with the ATS technology and just all the technology that we have, I mean, mm -hmm. just, you can actually show exactly what you're talking about. And I, th I see Ron here. Ron said, and I was going to ask ask you as well. I mean, he said maybe the thirty day average hasn't moved because that's a sweet spot. But I guess in, in so your, we're complacent. Is that what you're saying? Well, I guess I guess what would be. I mean, obviously it's it's nuanced because there's different levels of roles. But let's just say for like you know a corporate position, um, you know, let's say management level, which again, a lot of nuance in there. But I mean, what what kind of like timeline would be ideal in in you know do you think with with a role like that? 
Um, well, so I don't know uh, if there's one number. I will tell you just from a human person perspective, I would say two weeks would be yeah. ideal. Yeah. If you can get in and out of a process in two weeks as a busy professional with other stuff going on, family, all, you know, all of that. Um, I think if after two weeks, people are ambiguous about where they stand, they're, they're just like, I don't know. I just, I don't have the energy for this. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, rightly so. So I feel like if we can give people an idea of where they stand, ideally give them an offer within two weeks. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I, I could imagine everybody could get their minds around that being a good thing. I would, I, okay, I'll play the, the only thing I could see happening and which I just see it all the time. It's like on that 13th day, another candidate comes into the pipeline with like, yeah. oh my gosh, you know? And I, I think that's probably, and, that and then the hiring be, manager has FOMO at that point, right? <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah. so what about, what about I, I'm curious too, like, you know, when you're approaching, obviously you've got a portfolio of companies, like, are you, are you like running data on each company, like individually, or are you looking at trends within the companies? Like how, I guess, how, how do you, you know, for, for someone who's maybe in a role where they're like, all right, they're thinking, okay, how am I even going to get this data? Like, where would be a good place to start? Like, what are some of those, those best ways to get some of this, some of these metrics that they can actually yeah. present to hiring managers? Well, I, I think the, the, the first thing uh, that I come to the table with is that one size does not fit all. So there's never going to be, you know, one answer to every portfolio company's challenges. Um, they're all different. I mean, we, we do have a theme with what we invest in, uh, growth stage, typically SaaS, B2B software companies. So there are some similarities, but beyond that, every management team is different. Every HR leader comes with a different perspective. Mm. So I am very respectful of the bespoke way in which we need to address the challenges that they have. What I typically will do, though, is um, actually Gartner has a really good tool for doing a TA assessment. So for any of the recruiting leaders out there, if, if you have a license to Gartner and you want to have a look at the HR score is what it's called, HR score for recruiting, it gives you a series of kind of best practices questions you can ask and you can rate yourself and come up with basically a score and it gives you a maturity model that you can align with. Now that's, it's a little frou shishi for some smaller companies that just, you know, don't have the resources or the uh, sophistication or the team to get it done. Um, but there, there are standards that you can measure yourself by. And so what I'll typically do is, is um, work with the HR leader on how they view the efficacy of the TA team. And then we'll talk about some very specific components of that. And then we'll do a diagnostic that goes from uh, employment brand to candidate engagement, sourcing, and then interview process, and then offer process and hire and onboarding. So kind of look at each component of those pieces and come back to them with recommendations and best practices about how they could improve one or more of those slices. Yeah. Um, and also do the recruiting math, do the funnel, you know, all of that, get some, get some numbers around that, but they're the ones that give me the flow through metrics. So I'm not coming to them saying, this is where you should be. I mean, really it's their business. Um, and their ATS, we, we don't have one ATS across the portfolio. So each one of them has their own data that they're capturing. So we, we use it to the extent that we can get it. And yeah, yeah so, but good news is, um, you know, we're growth equity firms. So we're always working with companies on the grow. And so there's a lot of interest in talent acquisition sophistication. So, yeah, no, that's that's super cool. I I, I love the term too. I know uh, Brian here said uh, I love recruiting math. 
honestly, I think that's probably might actually be the first time I've heard that. But it's it's. Oh, yeah. I, I think the it's the way that you have to approach. Like you said, it's mod, mod, I think just modern day recruiting because like nowadays, it you know it's like again we have a lot of access to the same data. Like I think data is easier to get now. But it's like, which is the right data? Like, how do I use this? How am I communicating? How am I telling the story? How am yeah. I getting with hiring managers to tell that story? Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, like out of all of the areas that you see, you know, you mentioned like employer branding and then, you know, it's like you have your, your recruiting process right up to, onto onboarding. Like, where do you think, is there like a trend on like where you see companies like just finding challenges or like what, I guess, what's the most challenging area that you see? Or is there, is there a trend or is it kind of just different for each one? Curious. Um, well, so funny enough, uh, one, of, one of my favorite bosses ever, David Reed, um, quoted re recently, he's actually on the podcast and I asked him what he thought was the hardest part of recruiting. And funny enough, he said, scheduling scheduling mm. eats our lunch every day you know it's just the thing that keeps that holds us back and i i thought geez if if some great hr technology could come and completely disrupt that along with the human side of it too because it's not just about cool tech it's about the humans that are going to use it or not use it uh so it's well, and that was the whole change, thing right because it's like you can have like calendar like i think of like calendly for example right like and I remember when that first came out, and I was like, this is awesome. And then I yeah. tried it on some of my uh, construction superintendents that I was recruiting, and they were just like, just call me, they just call me after work. Yeah. For what time? <laughs> Do can you want to use this really cool link that goes to my calendar? Yeah. Like, right. Just call me. <laughs> so right. it's like how it's do the you human side. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got to believe that will change. Just like you mentioned earlier, when you have interactions with customer service, you're now used to going online. And you're going to do that first before calling somebody. It used to be the opposite. And so I've got to believe 10 years from now, why it will take that long, I have no idea. But anyway, about 10 years from now, I would guess people are going to be used to, in a recruitment process, clicking a link to schedule an interview instead of the backing and forthing. Hey, look, you, and HR tech, if you're listening, all right, that's what we want to see at the next right? HR tech event. Uh, I love yeah. that. That's It's so funny that it's just something so like kind of so simple, basic so true like anytime i do a meme around like people trying mm -hmm. to schedule around the holidays those yeah. memes always go viral because it just it's it's so true <laughs> which Crazy. is back back to my earlier point about as recruiting leaders and staffing professionals honestly if i were in staffing today i would own the space of optimizing your recruiting process for, for my clients and i would say to them i'm going to present to you a slate of candidates that are a great fit two weeks from today. I want your hiring managers to clear their calendar on the following Wednesday. I'm making this up, right? Uh, on the following Wednesday, we will directly schedule candidates in. They will get to interview all of them at the same time. We'll Smart. knock this out, right? So there, that's the kind of thing that behaviorally might help yeah, solve the challenge. Yeah, because you're talking about it's not just, yeah. it, we're not just talking about scheduling with candidates. It's like scheduling the hiring, uh, scheduling the hiring managers probably even in my mind, Worse. more more difficult. Yeah, yeah the, the candidates are actually usually pretty super interesting. Well, yeah, I love that. I, and <laughs> I wonder if that's something just like in general, companies like, you know, if you're a leader out there, you know, this is just stuff where like, sometimes you just got to come from leadership. Like, hey, we're going to have like, we need to make it, a recruiting it, it needs to be a priority. So like, yeah. let's, let's diarize this. Like you said, three or four 
hours on this day is just dedicated to recruiting. And uh, well, when I was at Amazon, that was definitely the message coming from the the very top was, you will spend time on recruiting. You will spend, I think the average that was expected was one day a week. How do you wow. like that? If you're a you know developing development manager. Um, that's a lot of time spent interviewing, but when you're on the grow, you know, you, you have to hear it from leaders and, and go, okay, I guess I'm going to be recruiting eight hours a week. Wow. Um, yeah. Look, so look at the business, I mean, right. it's like Amazon's got one of the greatest businesses of all time. So, exactly. uh, something to be yeah. there. so leadership uh, matters, uh, process yeah. matters, technology matters. Oh, I guess this is the same theme as always. Right. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it. Well, well, look, we uh, every single time I do one of these podcasts, they just go by so quickly. And I just want to say, like, we got some comments here which I just completely agree with. Um, with you know, Christy just said, "Aaron, you're really knowledgeable. Thanks for sharing your perspective and, and recruitment history." Joel, I appreciate you putting these together. That's this nice. is this is why I do it because I think it's like I'm telling you, every single you're time I have, a, I have guests on, it's just like, well, I, I'm, I learn it. So I'm thinking like, okay, like as a recruitment agency, this yeah. is how, you know, we can approach like helping offer. Cause I, I do think that sometimes that is where the hangup comes in and go, Hey, we're going to take reins on this. Like, have you thought about this? Right. Um, yeah. Like solve but, the problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's actually what a great recruiter does, you know, with, with yeah. curiosity and empathy, they solve the problem. And, Sometimes you can do that by being a little bold with hiring manager, not just taking what they tell you the process is, but kind of, you know, lob in there. What if we tried this instead? Yeah. Can, can you work with me on a little experiment here? And let's see if we can do this better. I mean, why not? No, I love it. I love it. So why not? Okay. So I know that right now the podcast is on, you know, a little bit of a, a hold, but right. where's the best, where's the best place for people to find you? I'm sure after this, uh, you know, big fish in the talent you, pool, big <laughs> fish in the talent pool, iTunes, Spotify. I know you've had, you've had some yep. great guests on there as well. I know. We've oh, had a couple fantastic of, uh, guests. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and really with the, the lens of leadership. So people who've been the top TA leader in an organization and, um, it's, it was really a privilege to be able to do that as long as I did. And who knows, maybe I'll be back. Um, but right now I'm focused on my portfolio companies at Great Hill Partners and um, really excited to be able to talk about what is my passion, my love, and what I've done my whole career and will do until the end, as far as I know. So now are you, are you creating like any uh, content anywhere else? Are you, do you get like a blog or anything that people can check out? And Not that isn't related to the big fish in the talent pool. So that was okay. all sort okay. of you know, uh, part, part and parcel, but, uh, right now just focused. So watch the space. Maybe I'll, I'll let you know if I, uh, put it back online, yes. uh, or create new episodes and, and Joel, you can promote it for me. I yes. It. Happy, <laughs> happy to do that. Well, <laughs> As Aaron, I will thank, do yours. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, thank you so much for, uh, just sharing so much wisdom here. And, uh, My I pleasure. know guys, if what I'm going to do is I'm going to, uh, on the post once, uh, once we're done, I can go back and edit it. I'll, uh, I'll put Erin's profile on there as well. So, uh, you know, connect with her. And obviously, like I said, if you've got questions, great. But like, if you reach out to somebody, just be patient. Cause I know Erin's not sitting around uh, on LinkedIn, like me all day, uh, but <laughs> she's very busy. So, uh, but go back, listen to this over. And then I definitely go encourage you to, uh, to listen to her podcast as well. Like she's just had some really, really, really high level guests, some really in-depth conversations as well. So you can learn a ton there. And, um, and then guys, next week I have another guest. I know I've got the newsletter coming out, uh, in about 10 days time. And what I'm going to be doing is highlighting upcoming guests as well. 
it's going to be a great place to just bring all the content across platforms into one place. So get ready to check that out. And uh, appreciate all the comments here as well. I just saw so many great comments. So from Deborah, Lance, Anna, Christy, uh, Brian, it's just great to have so many people chiming in as well. I really appreciate the questions and the engagement. So until next week, guys, have a great uh, rest of the week. And as always, um, you can find this podcast on Spotify and iTunes and all of the other platforms. So appreciate you all. Take care. Thank you, Joel. Take Thanks, care. Aaron. Bye. Bye.